Okay, so, um, you know, when Pastor Daylight told me that the theme of SquadCon uh, this time around was um, One Accord, you know, it got me thinking about, you know, the games I used to play. Because, um, trust me, there's a bit of method to the madness in my, my train of thought. Um, you know, when I grew up, I used to love um, fantasy role-playing games. I used to love, you know, even when, you know, I didn't have a, a proper computer or anything, I used to read those books and the books were like the fantasy ones, but they were the choose your own adventure books, like going on quests and stuff like that. So when I did uh, get into gaming, uh, you know, RPGs were the way to go for me and fantasy role-playing games were, were you know, were, was the one, uh, was the one game that I loved to play all the time. One particular game that I really appreciated was World of Warcraft. You know, especially when it became a mass, you know, multiplayer online game. Uh, when World of Warcraft came out, uh, that was number one for me because, you know, though that game is a quest game where, you know, you can pick a character, you develop that character and you go and do individual quests. What made it really fun for me personally was when I was able to join a guild you know, and, and do raids and, and be part of a party uh, to fight a boss or to do a dungeon raid. Because though I was an individual, you know, and I had my own skills or my, you know, my Torrent Hunter, you know, had his own skills, his own abilities. There were some stages or some, some challenges in the game and some missions and objectives in World of Warcraft that you couldn't do by yourself, you know, and you had to do it in a party. And you had to rely on the skills and abilities of not only your player, but other players in uh, with you to defeat the boss or to clear out the dungeon, you know, and what I, what I found, what I found really interesting is, you know, in the spirit and the concept of one accord, you know, World of Warcraft was a game where, you know, though you were coming as individuals, though you were coming with separate, you know, skills and abilities, you know, you had your tanks, you had your damage dealers, you had your healers, you know, all skills and, and abilities were very important. You know, they were all part of, you know, making the, the, the team effective, but everyone had the same goal. Everyone had the same mission and everyone's in one accord. And so the title of the, the title of my message today is actually um, inspired by World of Warcraft, but it's more from a story that's found in the Old Testament. And so I kind of mashed them both together, um, and I've titled it "The Exodus Quest." Now, you know, if you've ever watched, you know, The Prince of Egypt, or you know the story of um, Moses in the Exodus. You think it's a one-man job, or you think it's a solo mission, and, and you think that you know you, you kind of have, the, have this understanding, or, or what I thought it was, was that God spoke to Moses and chose Moses, and Moses led you know the Israel uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, um, but it wasn't the case. And today we're going to explore that. We're going to explore the idea that it wasn't a one-man quest. It was not a solo mission. It was actually a party there was actually, you know, a number of people that were part of this plan, of God's plan. And so um, let me first, uh, and no, sorry, and I'll let you know that, you know, there are three key players or there are three key characters involved in this quest, the Exodus quest. Um, so I'm going to paint, paint the picture for you first. I'm going to explain to you the, the situation. Now, 
um, God's people were in captivity. You know, the Israelites were um, enslaved by Pharaoh, um, who was the ruler of Egypt, and they were enslaved for over 400 years. And um, eventually, not, not eventually, but in this time of slavery, God hears the cry of his people. God understands, and now he's about to execute a plan of salvation, a plan to um, enable his people to escape or to get get out of Egypt um, and be released from the tyranny of Pharaoh. Now, we're going to pick up the story in in Exodus chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 17, and this is going to introduce the key characters. Now, this is obvious, like Moses is a key character, but in this discussion or in this dialogue that he has with God at the burning bush where God tells him his plan, this is where we also introduce to Moses's inadequacy or feeling of inadequacy. We also are introduced to the, to the fact that Moses does not feel prepared. He doesn't feel capable on his own. And it also introduces other party members. So let's actually read. And so once again, this is found in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 17. I guess the more popular way of, of understanding this part of the story is this is the burning bush where Moses actually is um, connecting with God and he's being told of God's plan for the first time. And so in this is where it says, and, and God tells him of his plan. He's going to say, I'm going to have you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I'm going to perform these miracles. I'm going to perform these signs and wonders. And um, I'm going to convince Pharaoh to, um, you know, free my people. And he starts to explain this, um, the plan between, uh, God explains the plan to Moses. And there's a bit of a dialogue here. So let's actually have a look at it. It says, um, but Moses protested, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, Lord, the Lord never appeared to you? So just to give a bit more context, this is where God has already told him his plan. This is where God has already said, this is what I'm actually going to do. This is how I'm going to execute, execute my plan. I'm going to show you, um, show Pharaoh signs and wonders. I'm going to show the people of Egypt my power. I'm going to show the people of Israel what I can do for them. And then Moses starts to um, become hesitant and a bit reluctant and doubtful and saying, you know, but what if it doesn't work? What if they don't listen to me? And he starts to kind of really showcase that it's that he feels that he's not the person for the job then the lord asked him well what's in your hand a shepherd's staff moses said throw it down on the ground the lord said to him so moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake moses jumped back then the lord said to him reach out and grab its tail so moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into the shepherd's staff in his hand perform this sign the lord told him then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. And so this is God reassuring Moses saying, the quest, the plan that I have for you to free my people, they will believe it if you show them this sign. This is what you will need to do to convince them that I am truly in control in this circumstance. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. 
Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they don't believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on dry ground. Then when you do, the water of the Nile will turn into blood on the ground. Now, this is the part where it seems that Moses understands the plan, but still in his feeling of inadequacy or not feeling capable, he's starting to reply or kind of trying to negotiate with God and really like being authentic and transparent with God and saying, well, I don't think this is, um, I don't think I'm the right person for the job. I honestly don't. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not good now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. Oh, boy, I know how he feels, eh? <laughs> he says, you know, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Amen, Moses. I feel you, brother. I feel you. But then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? It's I, the Lord. Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. Now, this is what, one thing that I just need to kind of remind all of us, that even when God gives us a mission, even when God gives us a task, even when God says, I have a plan, God will never abandon us in that plan. He will say, I am with you in this. We are all of a sudden... Our solo mission is never a solo mission when it comes to God. He's saying, I am with you. We are going to do this together. You have your role. But the first party member that is going to join your party is going to be God. God has got the plan and he's going to be with us. Let us always take comfort in that. Then we are, that when we're called by God, even though it feels like a solo mission, even though if we, we feel incapable, inadequate and all of that, God is with us every step of the way. But Moses again pleads, and this is in verse 13, and it said, Lord, please send someone else. And then all of a sudden, God gets angry. And it's not the fact that God is getting angry at Moses' authenticity, but he's getting frustrated because he's doubting. It seems that Moses is doubting God's capability or God's power to work in Moses. And then the Lord, it says, the Lord became angry with Moses. And then he goes, okay, you know what? I'm going to introduce the second party member or the, the person to support you. And this is how he does it. He goes, in verse 14, it says, Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on the way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you both. And uh, sorry, I will be with the both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both on what to do. Aaron will be your spokesperson to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of him, uh, of God from for him. So I'm going to read that again. Aaron will be your spokesperson, spokesperson to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs that I have shown you. There's your party right there. What I love about this is that God had a plan. God understood Moses. And not only did he provide a solution for Moses's 
feeling of inadequacy or feeling of being incapable and his doubt and his worry. God said, you're not going to need to do this alone. I'm going to provide a helper for you. I'm going to provide your brother Aaron to be the spokesperson. And so what I love about this story is that it changes from a solo mission to a campaign. It turns into a party, um, like a, like a party raid or, you know, and it, and it becomes, uh, yeah, a party mission. So to cut a long story short, because the, the Exodus goes on for many chapters, but I just want to give you a highlight of the key things that take place. The plan was carried out the way that God had planned. Moses was the worker of miracles and allowed God to work through him to show Pharaoh his power. He sent plagues. He performed the miracles that God had, had said he would, and God was able to work through him. And then Aaron was the sp spokesperson who boldly declared the orders of God with Moses to Pharaoh to free his people. So Moses was giving him the words and Aaron was speaking. And it seemed that Aaron and Moses were working together to convince Pharaoh of the power that God had and also encouraged Pharaoh and gave the warning signs to Pharaoh to let God's people go. Well, Pharaoh, uh, after the plagues and after, you know, the famine, the boils, the, the, the frogs, the gnats and the locusts and all of these things and all the powerful um, signs that Moses performed, that God performed through Moses, Pharaoh reluctantly releases the Israelites, you know, and he sets them free and he says, you can go. But at the end, just at the end of the, like towards the end of the story, Pharaoh changes, uh, has a change of heart. He changes his mind and he says no because of his pride, because of his stubbornness, because of um, yeah, because of all of that anger. He calls them back, and he, but he, he doesn't. Well, he tries to get them back. He gets his army, his chariots, his horses, um, all of his soldiers, and they go and they chase them down. And this is where there's a bit of a climax where he tries to get get them with his army, but he's defeated once again by God. As, he um, as God sends um, the Israelites through the Red Sea, God performs. Once again, God uses Moses to perform another, yet another miracle, splits open the Red Sea and has the Israelites walk through them. And as the, the chariots of Pharaoh and, and the army try to chase them down, Pharaoh's army is destroyed. And their victory is found in God. And But, but, but the thing that I wanted to highlight is that it wasn't just a one-man job. Moses was the miracle worker. He performed the miracles for God. He used the staff, you know, and he was the one that did the acts of miracles for God. And then there was Aaron who aided Moses as being the spokesperson, understanding that Moses was the tongue-tied one. Moses was the bees when he got to, when he preaches and he fumbles and stuff like that. And God knew and understood that. And he said, okay, Aaron is the more effective spokesperson. So though you are coming with different skill sets and different abilities, you will work in one accord and you will work wonders and you will free my people. And with me, we will do this and we will accomplish this mission. Now, for, um, you know, the story doesn't end there. And, um, you know, as I said to you, it was a team effort. And I, I think I mentioned that there were three key characters. Yes, sure, God is there. And God is always that, that one, one character. But there is also an extra character. And um, before I introduce you to the character, in my personal opinion, this character may be the crucial one. 
This character might be the most important character that we all need in our company and in our party. And um, that character is Miriam. And if you don't know who Miriam is, Miriam is a prophetess. Miriam was actually the, the sister of Aaron and Moses. Now, um, I'm going to read you a passage, and this passage is actually found in Exodus chapter 15, verse 20 and 21. And this is why I feel not only is she, um, is she worthy to be known as a party member in this mission, but I would say she, what she did, there were two things that she did that had she have not done them, mission would have failed completely. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 20 um, to, sorry, 20 to, to 21. And this is what it says. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. This is Miriam, and this is after they've crossed the Red Sea. And you're probably thinking, well, Bees, you know, she, was, she wasn't really involved. You know, it was Aaron and Moses who did the work, you know. Um, she, just, she just came to, you know, to party. <laughs> she just came to party afterwards when, you know, when they crossed the Red Sea, she takes out a tambourine and leads the women in dancing and worship and singing. Two things. The first thing is, when Miriam was a child and when Moses was a child, Miriam saved Moses. Miriam was the one that sent him down the river and saved his life. When, when uh, Pharaoh wanted to kill all the, all, all the children, all the firstborn, Miriam saved his life. That was the first one. Had it not been for Miriam, Moses wouldn't have been there, period. Moses wouldn't have been, God wouldn't have had the opportunity to ask Moses and invite Moses to be part of his plan of salvation or his plan to save the Israelites. So Miriam saved Moses. That was the first one. And the second one is this. And I think this is, this is paramount. And, and I think is crucial to have in any party. Miriam took a tambourine and led all the women and played and they worshiped and they praised God for what he had done. For me, I would like to tell, so Moses is the miracle worker. You know, Aaron is the bold and courageous spokesperson. Miriam, I want to title her, if she had a role or if she had a class or if she had a race, she would be Miriam was the prophet of unwavering faith. The reason why I say that is you've seen miracles of God. You are a slave in captivity. And finally, Pharaoh sends the decree to release the Israelites. And everyone is leaving now. Everyone's taking their, their cattle, their livestock. They're packing as much as possible. You know, they're taking whatever they can carry. They've got no time because this is probably a small, a small opportunity, you know, where Pharaoh has said, yes, go. And so everyone is hightailing it out of Egypt. And what does Miriam pack? Miriam packs a tambourine. Imagine that. She's, she's not worrying about like the food and the clothes and the things like that. She's going, I'm packing a tambourine because I know my God is going to save me. And this tambourine that I'm going to pack now is so I can worship him and I can lead the people out in worship when he saves me. Not if he saves me, but when he saves us all. Miriam had unwavering faith, unshakable faith. 
and I've read a couple of commentaries and a couple of scholars, and what they've said is Miriam did that after the fact. Miriam did that when they crossed the river because her faith made her certain. It was like a guarantee that God would provide for her. So she packed it. But her attitude towards God, her unwavering faith, scholars had said that is what spurred and encouraged her brothers. She, she did it then. She did it afterwards. She was the prophetess. She was a leader. She was part of that party. And afterwards, she led them in praise and worship. But during the times of miracle working, during the times of speaking to Pharaoh and speaking to the Israelites, Miriam was there. Miriam, the encourager. Miriam, the support. Miriam, the one who, because of her faith, erred and, um, urged and spurred people on. She was the one that led people to worship God. But had it not been, but she was the one that packed the tambourine. She was the one to say, even before they had crossed the Red Sea, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to pack this tambourine to worship him and I'm going to lead my people to worship God because he's going to save me. Unwavering faith. You pile that, you put that all together and that was a mission accomplished. That was God's success plan. God saved the people of Israelite, but now we acknowledge that it wasn't just Moses. It wasn't a solo mission. It was actually a mission completed by a party. It was a mission completed by three key players, key characters who had were in one accord. They were in line with God to free their people. They were in line with God in one accord to save the Israelites, to deliver them out of Egypt. Moses, the, the miracle worker. Aaron, the bold and courageous spokesperson. And Miriam, the prophetess of unwavering faith, that party with God saved an entire nation. So you're probably thinking, okay, Bees, that was a really nice story. How does that apply to my life today? How does that apply to today? Well, you know what, my brothers and sisters, we've been given a mission. We have, God has given us a mission. God has given us a mission to build his kingdom. God has given us a mission to go and be reflections of Jesus Christ out in the world, out to a world who may not know him, but are in desperate need of him. Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost. And then he empowered us with the same mission. He says, by my love, by my grace, by my compassion and by my mercy, I need you to go and shine my light. I need you to go and be a reflection of who I am so you can draw others closer to me and draw others into a closer relationship with my heavenly father so they can all experience the salvation found by his grace and his love. And God has called us to all to be part of that mission. So my brothers and sisters of God Squad Church, he's called us as individuals. And he knows that we all have our different, unique skills, talents, and abilities. But what I also understand about God is that he understands and recognizes that we may feel incapable. We may feel inadequate. We may feel that, you know, there are some times when he's asked us to go out. We're like, no, 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 you've called the wrong person for this job. Like Moses, we give him every excuse under the sun to say, no, 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 go and pick, go and pick someone else. You know, I'm not the person. I don't want to be part of this plan. But in his compassion and his love, God has said, I'm never going to 
One, I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to let this be a solo mission. I will be with you every, every step of the way. Let us celebrate that, that God in community is always going to be with us to help us accomplish his plan. And the second thing is God knows God knows when we feel inadequate. God knows when we feel incapable. And so God has given us a community. God has given us fellow believers. God has given us this place where we can come in one accord and support one another, encourage one another, celebrate each other's skills, unique talents, unique abilities to go and continue to spread the love of Jesus Christ, whether it be through art, whether it be through music, whether it be through speaking, whether it be through, through gaming, whether it be through relationship building. God has said, this is a place where community will come together in one accord to go and complete this mission, complete this mission of love, complete this mission of hope, complete this mission, complete his mission of salvation. So in one accord, my brothers and sisters, let's celebrate the salvation found in Jesus Christ. In one, of, one accord, let us continue to journey together, spur each other on, build relationships with each other, build relationships through our experiences with one another. In one accord, let's celebrate our victories. Let's, let's um, encourage and, and care and comfort one another in our, in our times of loss, in our times of mourning, in our times of failure, in our times of struggle, in one accord, let us come together and understand the mission of salvation that God has for us. In one accord, let us go out into the world and reflect his love. In one accord, let us build the community and build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In one accord, let us celebrate salvation found in him. I pray that that's our mission. I pray that you as individuals, you as unique, skillful, you know, talented individuals led and transformed by God, accept that call, accept the mission and be reminded that we're going to do it as a team, that we're going to do it as a company. We're doing it as a party. Let us accomplish this mission together in one accord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray um, that through what I just said, that you were able to um, deliver a message that hits home into the hearts of everyone here, everyone willing to listen to your voice. Lord, I pray a prayer of thanks that you were able to remind us that you are in control, that it is your mission. But Lord, I thank you that you've given us the invitation to be part of that in our inadequacy, in our unworthiness, you know, in our feelings of being incapable. Thank you for reminding us that we are people of value, that we have skills, that we have talents, that we have gifts that you can use to build your kingdom. But Lord, today in this community, I want to say thank you for reminding us that we're not alone in this journey. Thank you for reminding us that you are with us each and every step of the way, but that we don't have to do this journey um, alone, that we can look to the left and to the right, um, scroll up and scroll down and see that we are with a community of believers, that we are um, in a community that want to connect with you, worship you, are saved by your grace and want to celebrate your love. And Lord, finally, I pray that you remind us that as we go out into this world and share and reflect your love, that we do it in one accord, that we do it as a community and we do it constantly celebrating salvation found in you.
Be with us now. I ask this all in your loving name. Amen. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. Peace out and God bless. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, if that message didn't speak to the inner fabric of what it means to live life in community, uh, I, I don't know what else will. Uh, Thank you so much, Bees, for an amazing, incredible message, a timely message. Um, that was incredible. And uh, I think that, and I hope that, uh, you know, our community was encouraged by that. I was, um, it was really, really good. Thank you. Um, I hope that you take some of the, take some of that advice um, that you're spurred on and you know that your uniqueness and your purpose, that it matters, that it, it does, it, it builds the team, right? We're not built the same. We're not meant to, and we can't do it alone. Um, we are all parts of the puzzle, the grand scheme. And, uh, what a more beautiful way to express that than in the lives of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, uh, and the mission they accomplished for God. And, uh, you know, we have a mission here at God Squad Church, right? We have a, message to, a mission to reach gamers, to help them know God, uh, experience community, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And I think that if we could all get on the same page of understanding that we have a part to play in the greater mission that God has for us, it'll change the lives of so many gamers um, that I can't even express it. And so thank you, bees. That was a beautiful message.